0: And I have Paul and Damien with me tonight.
1: Hey, guys.
2: (laughs) Hey there.
0: (laughs) And tonight we're doing our show on primal sex. And before I get into it, you're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And here we talk about all the things that you want to learn about sex, but never got a good education on. And so tonight's a special topic for me because I've been running Aphrodite's Temple and I've done many different types of rituals to get into the primal sex experience. But before we go into how to do primal sex, Damien, do you want to define what primal
2: sex is for you? Yeah, primal sex and primal play in general is just getting in touch with your animalistic side, just going off the of instincts and just doing what comes naturally.
0: <laughs> and I think of primal sex as part of headspace. It's getting into the right headspace. If you're in the rational side of the brain, it's calculating, it's figuring out, it's think living in often in the past or the future. But, primal sex is something that's very focused in the here and now. Being more aware of what's going on at this moment. And being fully present with yourself. Anything y'all want to add?
1: I think one of the things that's really interesting about primal sex, so there's like two different roles. There's the predator and the prey. And Normally, I'm more into the, the prey side. And one of the things that's really interesting about primal sex for me is it's really about vulnerability and opening yourself. And it requires a lot of trust because you trust the, the person who's in the predator role to be able to unleash their like animalistic side and trust that they aren't going to like go too far and actually harm you, mm-hmm. which I think adds to the experience for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And it can be other things, too. I know that we did a ritual called The Call of the Wild, and this was out in the woods in Temple. And basically, part of what we did was just get in touch with some of the wild energies in the woods. And that can be very primal. And we had a campfire going, and fire can put us into a trance state. So it's about getting into trance states. Sometimes it can be about really getting in tune with our bodies at a deeper level and turning off that rational side of the brain for a while.
2: That's definitely true. And I think there's like not just one right way to go about it. It's kind of something you can adapt to what you feel is right and what you want to do.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Like one of the things that I like about primal play is I really like all of the implements that you can use. There's a million different toys out there, but One of the things that's really nice about primal play, all you need is your body. It involves a lot of teeth and scratching. And like, I find that like I get into like making noises and grunting, like it really involves like all of the different senses. I think your sense of smell goes up and the, Taste of someone's flesh and the feeling of like someone's flesh under your fingernails and in your teeth. And I really like to get bit. And sometimes when you get bit real, real good, like you can feel like your pulse between the Dom's teeth. And like that's really, really hot.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, for one, like biting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about preparing yourself, and one of the things I do often when I do any type of ritual or do a play scene in BDSM, ahead of time, I take a ritual bath, which is a little different than a regular bath. Basically, I'm preparing myself internally, thinking about the event coming up and As I wash my body, I also cleanse my spirit as part of the process. And I have bathtub toys. It doesn't have to be all serious. I have a squirting fish, and uh, I squirt all over my body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Squirting can be a lot of fun. But it gets us into a different headspace by taking that ritual bath and letting yourself get away from the mundane part of life, for lack of a better word, spiritual or trance state, and getting into, out of the head and more into the body, and feeling the body, and thinking about what's coming up, and building some anticipation, (laughs) because that can really give that extra boost, are there any things that you do to get in the right headspace before doing a primal scene?
2: Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what I'm doing. I'm very much touch focus. So just touching my partner and just, just getting a feel for them and just touching them all over. That's like, that's something that I'll, it's something I can focus on and it will help me like get into headspace. But I also like what you mentioned earlier about being kind of silly. Like, Primal Play doesn't have to be all Mm -hmm. serious. It could be silly and goofy, and you could just... I mean, really, it's just about having a good time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything you want to add, Paul?
1: Yeah, like, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about Primal Play is when you, like, really get into it whether you are like on the si- side of the predator or the side of the prey i think that there's a good like mixture between like soft and gentle touch that can kind of like lull the prey into like uh, artificial sense of like calmness before you like go in for the attack and i really really like the juxtaposition between those two things and raising of sexual energy and like feeling really good. And then it gets interrupted, but in a good way, like with the pain and the and the things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think another thing that kind of helps prepare headspace is breathing, doing deep breaths. And that's part of my bathing ritual bath routine is that I do some mindful breathing and take a deep breath, forcing a lot of air into my lungs really fully, and then I open my mouth and sigh the breath out audibly, and it sends vibrations all through my chest when I do that. And it can be very powerful. I mean, it gets oxygen in the bloodstream really brings everything, wakes everything up and brings life and it makes it much more
2: tingly and tantalizing. (laughs) I think we should also discuss negotiation because I think that's important for any kind of play, but Mm -hmm. especially with primal play because you're gonna be letting go a little bit, trees might occur. So you kind of have to discuss like what's on the table and what's not. And what kind of scene you're going for? Because primal play can be, it can be play fighting, wrestling. It could be a whole outdoor takedown scene. It could be like your spiritual rituals. So you just want to make sure everyone's on the same page.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And basically, when I run temple, we go through the rules. We do have rules in temple, and basically, ask before you touch. <laughs> we like to do things with informed consent. And it's going through what's the ritual's gonna be, or if I'm doing a BDSM placing, I do a full negotiation, especially with new partners. And so we, and there can be surprises, but you wanna make sure they're good surprises, not mm-hmm. threatening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And by doing the BDSM interest evaluation ahead of time, I know what's safe territory for the person I'm playing with. And we're all a little bit different. Mm
1: -hmm. And one of the important parts of negotiation is, and I think it's particularly important for primal play, is knowing what... like someone has an old injury or they have like an area of their body like for me i have pinched nerves in both of my shoulders so i have to be really careful about like some of the positions that i get into and people just need to be aware if you have a bad knee or a bad hip or also like past sexual trauma that can be triggered by specific things like that's all important to talk about before you get into the scene because you don't want to find out in the middle of the scene Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) and then of course it's always uh good to talk about what you want from the scene and what's like what feels good to you obviously i like biting so that's something i will mention probably first like am i okay to bite you where can i bite you (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other aspects of primal play, or at least preparing for it, is you want a good safe environment and you want a private environment most of the time. There can be sometimes semi or public environments for this. I've done primal play at play parties. That's not totally private, but I also get informed consent. I let people know up at front, "Oh, we're going to be doing this," because I don't want to trigger someone mm-hmm. during the scene, and they can stay and observe or or leave if they need to. So mm-hmm. I think it's just a good idea all all the way around to gain informed consent from everybody.
1: Oh yeah. Especially, like, I I really like the point that you make about letting other people know for the scene, because from the outside, it looks very aggressive a lot of the time. And if people don't know that you have entered into this, like, consensually, it can look somewhat, like, unconsensual from the outside so it's important that people know like that we have made the decision to do this together and even though i'm like fighting against it i am into it mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that fighting back can be fun <laughs> okay.
0: and like i said earlier primal play can take other forms too where it doesn't look dangerous I know that we've done pagan rituals where we got in tune with our animal, totem animal, and became, kind of transformed into our the headspace of being
1: that animal.
0: And that can be pretty intense, but on a different level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> One of the things that I really like about primal play is there's a tendency that people have, especially. AMAB people, sign male at birth, people can have where, like, during sex, like, you keep all of the sexual energy in your genitals, which can lead to premature ejaculation and also just not being fully in the experience of the sex that you're having. And I find that, like, Primal Play is very good about taking your mind off of just your genitals and moving that sex energy around the body. And it's really, really dynamic. It changes, and in one moment, you might be pinned on the ground, and the next, you're rolling all around, and maybe you're (laughs) running away, maybe whatever winds up happening. But it really, really gets you out of the... Focusing just on genital sex.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I had an experience quite a while back where I had a friend that was into being tickled, and tickling can get you into a primal place, different kind of primal place, but very intensive. And I mean, I would tickle this person. With, ooh, fiendishly. <laughs> and, and they'd and you'd bring him to a state of laughing with tears. <laughs> it was very intense. So I think a part of a primal play, it's a matter of focus. Where are you wanting to go on this journey? I've said this on shows in the past, but I think of the dominant as a type of shaman. And you're taking your submissive on an inward journey into headspace. And so that's a whole different perspective on it than in getting into that ritual. Because rituals can be very powerful. And over time, as you perform rituals, it conditions us to get into the right headspace quicker. And almost without even thinking about it, it becomes one of those automatic functions over time.
1: One of the things that I would suggest if you engage in primal play is to have a first aid kit ready. Someone gets a bad scratch or a cut or you might hit your head or something like that. You want to be ready for accidents if they happen.
0: Part of my training being I worked in mental health as a social worker. And part of my training included learning CPR and first aid, because you never know when a client might go off and things can happen. Fortunately, in my case, I never had an incident, but, but I was always prepared and trained. And so it's good, and I even went through training on how to safely take someone down that's really struggling and fighting and aggressive to take them down safely and restrain them. And so I never had to use it, but... It's good to know. It's good to know in case, I'd rather know it and not need it than need it and not know it. True.
1: I think another thing, this is important with every form of play, but I think that it's particularly important with primal play, is to check in with your sub on, like, fairly regularly, especially if they have, like, triggers, you've dealt with physical abuse in the past, things like that, your sub might not realize that they're entering into a negative headspace until it's way too late. So if you notice like a change in just the vibe of the scene, it's good to take a moment and check in with your sub and make sure that they're they're actually doing okay. And for the sub, sometimes it's difficult to remember to use your safe words, but I like to suggest people practice them on a regular basis like i know that some of the first times that i was playing with damien i used my safe words and like the first time i did i think like in a small way i I mostly wanted to make sure that it would work and that damien would respond and damien did right away (laughs) which was really nice
0: and on that note One of the trainings I perform in Temple for people is both crisis intervention and suicide intervention. And there are some forms of play that can trigger all kinds of things, a crisis or suicidal ideation. And so having those tools available and knowing what to do if if it comes up is really good. I've trained many, many people on both suicide intervention and crisis intervention. And it can be done effectively by someone that's just gone through this training. You don't need anything else. You don't need to be a therapist or a counselor. It's very basic, easy to learn training. And so it helps to go into anything you do that's kind of outside the norm with the tools you need
2: you have to be informed and uh, going back to safe words as the Dom at the top of the scene you want to have a very like welcoming and positive reaction to when someone's safe words like you want to thank them and make them aware that you are glad that they communicated that they needed to stop or they needed something else from the scene Like, just be very thankful so that they don't feel maybe guilty about ending the scene early.
1: Yes, indeed. I'd like to
0: kind of shift our focus a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the scenes that were very powerful primal scenes for you.
2: So one of my limits is, as a bottom, is face slapping. I am not good with that at all. However, I have found that as a top... It's a really good way to rile me up, so I will like allow a bottom to slap me in the face, like to get me going, <laughs> and that'll get me into instant headspace. <laughs> and then I think that's a good thing about primal play is that it, you can explore things that you normally don't get to, or you might like find new things about yourself, find out new things about yourself. So <laughs> it's nice.
0: I once had a dominatrix who like to sit on my face, have me eat her out while she put a zipper on my dick and balls. And then when she got close to orgasm, she would yank it off and I'd scream into her pussy.
2: And that was very primal. <laughs> to clarify the zipper we're talking about here is with clothespins and a string attached to them. And then you yeah. pull it so they come off at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Not like a pant zipper. <laughs> <laughs> Like, for me,
1: every primal scene I do is just fucking amazing. It's one of my favorite forms of play. So it's hard to, like, really, like, mark out a specific one. I think the things that make a good, like, primal scene for me, I like lots of nails. I like lots of biting. Like, it's really hot when you can feel this shift in someone where like they kind of intentionally like lose control but they maintain control throughout in like but in a different way i like as the prey i like to feel a little bit of danger i like especially when i'm getting bit on the neck and i feel like my pulse between. Like, their teeth, like, I like to imagine myself as, like, a little fawn that, like, l- like got taken down by a jaguar, and, like, they're <laughs> sinking their teeth into my neck, and, like, oh my, oh, my this, this might be the end, like, <laughs> like. They're oh,
2: about to be devoured.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 like. I I trust that that's not actually going to happen, but like, oh, it's so hot to like feel like it might.
0: And I'd like to throw in that there are different levels of primal and different forms. And one exercise that I do in temple often is I do what's called forming a genital heart connection with your partner. And the way you do that is you... Put your right hand on their heart and have them do the same. Put their right hand on your heart. And you put your left hand on each other's genitals. And it's not to feel them off or anything. It's just an energy connection thing. And then you gaze into each other's eyes silently as you do the breathing technique I described earlier. Taking a deep breath... And sighing the breath out. And you want to do it together. You can either do it each inhaling and exhaling together, or one inhales as the other exhales. And you perform that for about five, ten minutes. And at first it feels kind of weird gazing into someone's eyes that deeply, but the eyes are considered the the entryway to the spirit by many cultures, and so you form this deep connection with another person, and it goes into if you do it right, it really gets you into a more primal headspace and a deeper sense of connection, and that can that's getting to the spiritual type of primal play.
1: Yeah, like. That's one of the things I really like about primal play is, like, it touches something that is very ancient and very old and, like, comes from a, a time out, like, out of time and space. And it feels like reconnecting to a part of ourselves that maybe humanity has kind of walked away from a little bit in this modern world with all of the things that have disconnected us from our roots. And I think that's one of the reasons why Gigi was saying earlier that fire can kind of get you into that headspace, And I, I think it's really hot to do it like while you're camping and mm-hmm. things like that. Like feeling kind of this like kinship with, And like an older way of living in a way.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've been running (laughs) Aphrodite's temple for over 25 years now. And it's incredible. But we've often had wild animals come into temple while we were doing running temple. And they're attracted to that primal sex energy. And it's really... They don't come in the middle of it all. But they come on the outer edges. And it's very intriguing to me how when we do certain things, it does, we form a connection not just with each other, but with nature. But I know that I'm getting a little (laughs) deeper there.
1: Not to completely change the subject, but I do think that it's also really important with primal play to really like make sure to do aftercare afterwards and know what kind of aftercare each person wants because like one thing that's often lost like there's a lot of focus on aftercare for the submissive but I think aftercare for the dominant is also important especially if you're tapping into these more primal places because it, it like brings up energy and emotions that might be things that you have put out of your head for a long time that you haven't you don't realize are still affecting you so knowing what kind of aftercare everyone involved needs afterwards is really really important and like one of the things I think is important for any scene. Again, I think it's a little more important during primal scenes is for there to be a definite delineation between like when the scene begins, going into the scene, and then a definite delineation of the scene being over and like those being all different separate distinct things.
0: And one thing I have is a mentor that I call once a week to check in. And I think it's really good to have somebody that you can contact, whether you're dom or sub. It's good to have someone to do a check-in with. It could be your dom, but it could be another person. Now, the person I have is someone that I've never really submitted to or played with But I have a lot of respect for this person because they were helping run temple for a number of years. And they were very good at what they did and had a lot of presence. (laughs) When they walked into the room, people snapped to attention.
2: Yeah, it's definitely important to have someone to talk to afterwards because aftercare isn't just immediately after the scene. It's going to be like days after because, Mm -hmm. I mean, well, drop can happen at any point in that range, like even a week after. So Mm -hmm. it's important to talk about what you're feeling with someone, someone that you're comfortable with, because especially with this play, it can be both physically and emotionally overwhelming.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're to station break already. Boy, the time flies. (laughs) And I'd like to remind people that we're starting new webinar training in February. It's going to be the first Thursday night at 10 o'clock p.m. Central Time, and it's free of charge. We do ask if you can to make a donation, and there's a donation button on the website for our Next training webinar, we're doing it on raising sexual energy. If your is a little bit low and you want your libido to be higher, this would be the training for you because it really works. It's an amazing training. And basically, I'll have a video that I'll play for the training. It'll be on Zoom. And then we do a discussion afterwards and they're what everybody got out of the training so check it out it's at ravenslayerleather.com forward slash videos
1: and another thing that even if like you have a really healthy libido uh, this training is really one of the main things that helped me when i first started training with Gigi to overcome um, premature ejaculation. Because like getting into a practice of raising your sexual energy every day and not necessarily releasing it through orgasm can really, really help you take control over your orgasms. Mm-hmm. And I
0: also go through how to do your sex muscle exercises. Developing your sex muscles goes a long ways to giving you better control in many different areas. It can help with delayed ejaculation, premature, can help with ED, all kinds of things. So, If you have any issues around sex and would like to really learn more about sexual energy and how to raise it, this would be the workshop for you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Anything you want to add to station break? If you want to support our show, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. There are also links to it on the RavenlayerLeather.com leather.com website and through ggwilber.com and that's 2G's W I L B U R dot com. The com is also a place that you can go if you are interested in more personalized one-on-one sex coaching. If you find this to be a benefit to you, but you think that you have specific issues that you really need some one-on-one help to work through. That's where sex coaching comes in. Gigi offers a free 15-minute evaluation so that you can talk with him and get a feel for what a coaching session would be like and figure out if it's a good fit for you. I think that's about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, back to
0: our topic. We're talking about primal sex. Really getting into the juiciness of sex and that wild part of ourselves. And that can be so exciting. Especially if your sex life has been routine, this will definitely
2: add some spice to it. <laughs> and I think just getting into it, you could try just play wrestling, like just a little like just a little fun thing. Just mm-hmm. kind of like see what you like and where you want to go from that.
0: What are some solitary things that one can do to get into primal headspace?
2: Well, I think you mentioned uh, the breathing exercises. Yeah. And mm. I think maybe taking a note from pet players, <laughs> <laughs> acting a little like an animal, just like hitting on all fours, uh, maybe just like letting some sounds out. See how it feels? Try it out. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. One
2: thing I
1: do sometimes is a thing to self-suit. I bite myself. Like, I scratch myself, dig my nails into my body, twist my nipple till it hurts real bad, grab my (laughs) balls and, like, twist them and kind of yank on them. Like, I think that kind of stuff, like, really helps me get into that, Headspace. And like, also, I have a very rich, um, like, fantasy life. Like, sometimes I just lay down and imagine scenarios and basically tell myself a sexy story. And I
2: think that really, really helps me get into that headspace a lot. I think it could help also picture what you would like from a scene, anyway, just fantasizing and thinking about. What would get you going? What are you into? Mm-hmm. I, I know for me, like
1: one of the nice things about fantasy is like, I can picture and imagine things that I definitely am not okay with mm-hmm. in like actually yeah. happening. Like sometimes mm-hmm. in my fantasy is like, my eye gets gouged out or like my (laughs) neck gets ripped open and I'm like squirting blood. Like that's not a thing I actually want to do, but like in the fantasy world, I can like really go very, very far in ways that would not be safe in real life.
2: Same.
0: (laughs) And I would like to clarify that with fantasy and emotions, both there's no good or bad to it. It's, as long as it's something you enjoy and it's getting you off, it's good. And even anger, there's ways you can either lash out at somebody out of anger or you can redirect the anger towards social change Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or through other avenues that are more positive. So anger itself isn't good or bad. It's what you do with the anger. And same goes with fantasy. It's not good or bad to have the darker side come up. What's good or bad is if you bring it into reality. <laughs> okay. so I just wanted to kind of clarify that that there is no good or bad in fantasies or in emotions
1: mm mm.
2: Definitely no shame in some off-the-wall fantasies because we're all into weird stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, a hundred percent. And another thing I'd like to get into, so it's important to have discussions beforehand about um, use of barriers and things like that because a lot of times during primal play you might Get into a headspace where it would be easy to not like use condoms but that's not a safe thing to do so you need to know like what your plan is ahead of the ahead of time when it comes to things like barriers or like even like using lube like it might be really hot to think about just like spitting on your dick and shoving it in someone's ass but like that actually is like in the morning like it's going to be a bad decision Mm -hmm. so like you need to really make those decisions before you're in the middle of play
2: definitely during prep just have everything very close and on hand so that you don't have to go looking for anything
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that helps keep the scene flowing good Mm -hmm. when you have to step away and search for something that's disruptive to the flow of the scene or mm-hmm. to the flow of the ritual
1: also in that same vein you want to be you still want to be very careful about cross-contaminating particularly anal sex with other forms of play it might be really hot to think about like going from ass to vag or ass to mouth but like in the real world that can lead to like yeast infections and thrush and all sorts of nasty things happening so you need to think about that before you get into play as well mhm and one thing i do
0: like to have at temple is hot showers so that people can clean up if they need to I know some people have allergies to different things, and some lubes can cause a bad allergic reaction for some people, or latex. Some -hmm. people are allergic Mm -hmm. to latex, so Mm -hmm. having the means to clean up and get the allergen off the body is important.
1: So another thing, we touched on like how you have to take care with different triggers and things like that with primal play but i also think that primal play can be a very good way to work through some of those issues i know that dealing with my trauma around being molested it really opened up a lot of doors to getting into the vulnerability of some of those feelings in a safe way. Because by the time me and Gigi had been working long enough to actually touch on some of those issues during our sessions, I had already built up a lot of trust with Gigi. So it was a safe place for me to get into the headspace of maybe feeling like I was being taken advantage of when I knew I wasn't, but I could get into that headspace of those times and I could gain some agency over it and make better sense of it in my head. And paranormal
0: play can be very healing at a psychosexual level. It gives us an opportunity to experience things at a whole different level than what we normally experience in mundane life. And it can get us in touch with parts of ourselves that society tends to acculturate us to not look at too closely or experience too closely. And it takes me back to the ancient Greek theater. The audience wasn't passive like our modern day audience. During a tragedy, they'd get down and pound the floor, they'd wail, they'd pull their hair out, they'd scratch, bite themselves, they'd just fully agonize. And the Greeks called this catharsis. And they discovered that by having an avenue to reach catharsis, it can be very healing. It releases some of that energy that we get stored up inside us. And so it can be a very powerful form of play on a healing level because when can you express anger appropriately or some of the other negative, what we call negative emotions, it's through primal play. Mm -hmm. And it can be very powerfully healing and help us really not bottle all that stuff up because in our culture we're kind of taught Oh, if you get angry, you just stuff it down. <laughs> and so, or if you feel sad, I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone crying and people come up and try to soothe them and say, "Oh, you don't need to cry. It's okay. No cry." <laughs> crying is good. It washes away the some of the pain. Sometimes you need to cry like
2: during a scene. That could be very,
0: oh like, yeah, cathartic. In fact, one of the things I love is having someone cry on my hard dick. That's hot tears splashing down on me.
2: (laughs) I wanted to go back very quickly, back to safe wording. So with this kind of play, you might get to a point of nonverbal area, or you might intend to be nonverbal the whole time. So verbal safe words might not work for that. So you could try like like they do in wrestling, like just tapping out (laughs) as a way to end the scene. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And you can even do like one tap would be yellow and three taps would be red, something like that. Uh, (laughs) Another one that Gigi uses a lot when someone is nonverbal is having them hold a scarf and if they shake it, that's yellow. And if they drop it, that's a red. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially with that one, the predator needs to be like actively aware of things other than just verbal cues.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. I know that there's been some really powerful rituals we've done in Aphrodite's temple, and I know Paul's experienced the stag hunt and mm-hmm. some of them that we've done. The stag hunt's definitely the prey predator ritual. And then we've also done other rituals that have really helped us form a connection, one that is a little bit edging on the primal is when I have, it's a body image healing ritual, and I have each person in the circle stand in the middle one at a time, and we go around the circle and describe what we find attractive and sexy about the person. And we don't get enough compliments in our culture. And so when we hear what other people like about us and find sexy about us, Sometimes we learn new things about ourselves. Oh, I didn't know I had that attribute. <laughs> and that can be very powerful and healing at the same time.
1: One of the things I would like to get back to a little bit is like how involved all of the senses are. When you get into that headspace, you find that certain senses are... Like really, really enhanced. I particularly find my sense of smell to really be heightened during primal play, and a lot of times, I like one of the things I really hate about modern like ideas about sex is vaginas are supposed to smell like vagina, mm-hmm. uh, butt is most supposed, supposed to smell like butt, sweat is supposed to smell like sweat. We're not meant to smell like fucking roses. Like we're meant to smell like people. And like during a primal scene, you're really able to like tap into the the pheromones that people are putting off and really accepting, you make noises, you fart, you, you burp. You wail.
0: So, you wail,
1: you cleave. You you're a human and you're like in a human body. And I think that there's a celebration of that that comes with primal play that I really appreciate.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I'm allergic to underarm deodorant. I mean, it burns my underarms if I try to use it. And it's also horrible tasting when you lick somebody and, Get deodorant on your tongue, it's like dries your tongue out. It's nasty. So uh, I ask play partners yeah, take a bath before you and don't put anything on your body before we get into this kind of play if there's going to be biting or licking or scratching.
1: Mm-hmm. W- one thing in particular, since we brought up uh, like doing primal play, like while camping, if someone has used. Insect repellent, they need to wash that off. It tastes terrible. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Any kind of chemical stuff that you put on the body, whether it's perfumes, deodorants, or insect repellent, they aren't meant to be tasted.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely good to be as natural as possible in what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Another thing for camping that can really help in a pinch is baby wipes Mm -hmm. and particularly the unscented ones yeah
0: and i'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things we've experienced in temple in a kind of general sense and some of the things that are i've had done the stag hunt and had people come up the next day and go wow i can't believe how my sense of hearing improved and how cute it became, and and I can't believe how well I could see in the dark without a flashlight, and it's like I just transformed, and I felt like, well, for the stags, I really felt like it was an animal, and we do transform, it's, it's about as close as I've ever gotten to shape-shifting <laughs> and, and running, well, when I've participated in the stag hunt, usually I run it so I don't get to participate, but the few times I have, whether as hunter or stag, I really got into that primal energy of it. And I do believe that our bodies do have genetic memory to some degree, because I've triggered some of it and during some of these rituals,
1: Yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of, like, one of my favorite things about helping run Temple is seeing the, like, transformations that people go through. And especially when I run into these people over the course of several events, maybe the first one they come to, like, it piques their interest and they go home and, like, learn more about it. But then they're there like three or four times and it really like changes people's perspective on sex and on their body. I've seen people like get a tremendous amount of confidence that they didn't have at first. And like that's one of the things I really love about helping to run Temple is seeing the like changes that we make in people's lives like the reason I'm into this work like yeah I I like the Mahedonist. I like all of the like good sex hormones and all of the bruises I get to come home with (laughs) all of that but the thing that keeps me coming is the way that it literally changes my life and helps me become a more whole person.
0: And I've had people come up to me and say, you really transformed my life. It would not have been the same if I hadn't experienced this. In fact, I I know one person that used to listen into After Hours and he said, is because you did that radio show that I was able to get in touch with being a gay male and being able to get connected into the gay community. And it's something that can be very powerful. But I think also another part of it is that so many people have never gotten to experience the things they experience in the temple And once they do, it's like, oh, there's no going back now. (laughs) This is too good. (laughs) My, we're at the top of the hour. Any takeaways from tonight's show? Anything that really uh, you want to share that's been very powerful for you?
2: I think I just want to encourage anyone listening to uh, give it a shot, uh, let go, relax a little bit, <laughs> and kind of do what comes natural to you. Smell your partner, lick your partner, <laughs> and, like get into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I would like to encourage people to, as you're going through this, um, document like the changes that happen to you. Take account of like what happens because a lot of times change kind of sneaks up on us and we don't realize when we're going through it like how far we've come and how much we've grown but it's really really incredible the things that this kind of stuff can do for your life and i believe in like the healing power of pdsm of like primal play of sex in general a lot of times people are so focused on the hedonistic aspects and like i said i'm right there with you like i like i i love all of that stuff but uh, it can really change your life Mm -hmm. and i'd like
0: to celebrate what we do in temple we create a safe sex-positive environment, where sex is sacred, a sacred act. In our sex-negative culture, it's the opposite. Sex is considered a sinful act. We don't talk about it. We don't learn about it. We just kind of hop in and do it without much forethought. That's part of what this show is all about, is getting people to really talk and think and explore sexuality at a deeper level in a positive way. And so I think my big takeaway is whether you get into primal play or some other form of sexuality that you haven't experienced before, check it out. See what it does for you because it can be so amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that was a good show and... Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy playing with your body and experiencing pleasures of the flesh. It can be so good, and it can shift us to a higher form of consciousness. Have a good
2: night. Good night. Sweet dreams. I
0: find it interesting... The adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics.